Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. Xbox One Two Three Sixty, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now your hosts, Sean Xbox Wolfman. Hey everyone, welcome to Xbox One Two Three Sixty. Had a hell of a weekend. Great weekend. Great weekend for wrestling. NXT TakeOver on Saturday. Unbelievable show. Like, so every good. single match on the, on, the, on the card, from what I remember. Oh, yeah. Killed it, right? So good. Yeah. And, uh, and Rumble, good stuff. Um, and, you know, we had the Rumble party in Chicago. Yeah, how was that? It was jammed. Jam-packed. Packed? Yep. Floor to ceiling, fans yeah. screaming. Chicago style wrestling fans make yeah. it oh, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's a little picture right there. That's just one picture. But anyway, you know, uh, they were crazy making noise and Duffy's like they were like they would in Allstate Arena. It was like the <laughs> same that's type awesome. of energy. Yeah. So uh, I want to thank everyone for coming out at Duffy's. On Sunday to watch the Rumble with me, and thanks to WrestleZone.com and Nick Houseman over there. So, uh, and do you know Ian? Ian. Ian. Ian Kaiser, the comedian. No, oh. Kevin's friend. That's always on the Tomorrow Show with the big bushy eyebrows. Anyways, who cares? He was there too. He oh yeah. Up. Yeah. Flew out to Chicago, come hang out with you, or is he no, from he Chicago? Lives there. Oh, okay. Did you still do the live commentary during the Rumble? Uh, a little bit. I just wasn't feeling that part of it. Like it, sometimes things seem like a good idea until you're like right there and in the middle of it, and it's just like all that. Because like Nick, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say this. Um, he was trying to push me to keep saying things and, and commenting on the show. Just what I wasn't feeling it. And then when he started trying to do it, people were like, shut the F up. <laughs> shut the F up. <laughs> I think maybe the Rumble's just one of those things where you're like, okay, just let me watch yeah. and, like, you know, commentary yeah. aside. Yeah. yeah. You're, also, you're also getting the commentary from the commentators, so it's like it's a lot of exactly. stuff going on. So Yeah, if there was something I felt compelled to mention, I, I did. Other than that, I was like, leave me alone. Yeah, just, you just wanted to sit and enjoy it as I well. I think the people were happy, too, with that. Well, so. it sounded like a really cool fan experience. I think it was. It seems like it would like it would be for me if, yeah. I, if I were in that position. Definitely. Yeah, back back when I was, uh, you know, a child, childhood wrestling fan, there were nothing for us. Nothing. You had wrestling on TV, and then that's, you know, that's and and if you went to the live shows, you could buy the, you know. The programs and the pictures and maybe a T-shirt. The dollar grab. The bag. top guys had T-shirt. Well, <laughs> the Angelo had that was different. Okay, that was later. But there were no 
action figures or oh, video games, you know, meet, meet and greets, fan experience, you know, interactive fan experiences. So, um, yeah. Well, you really were talking cool. about having Flair's daughter get you Flair's autograph That's right. and how rare that was yes. and how cool it was for you yeah. back then. And also, we would I would take the old Rock'em Sock'em Robots. I would use that ring, and then I would take, like, He-Man figures and make, you know, wrestling figures out of them. That's so awesome. Do what you got to do. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Just made my day right now. <laughs> Candy Anderson's going to be on the show in a little while, and we're going to talk to him about uh, their school. The Academy. Yeah, the Academy run by uh, Ken uh, Davari, Molly Holly. I think Eric Cannon's involved with it. Yeah, with Eric it too. Cannon and uh, Davari's younger brother are both assistant coaches there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, looking forward to talking to Ken. We we're going to talk to Molly, but uh, she doesn't. She doesn't get off her her shoot job. <laughs> Until later, yeah. Oh, oh that would have been great to have her I on. I might try to get her, like, talk to her a little bit later if we're still around. Yeah, we need yeah. to get her all on her own. Yeah, that's what sure. I mean. Like, oh, yeah, a whole episode just for yeah, her. If we're, still oh, here in the, if we're still here at the studio when, you know, when she gets up at work. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So uh, so let's get into it. What's going on in, in wrestling? Break it down! X-Pac 12360 Wrestling News. <laughs> Um, so we touched about uh, on the Royal Rumble. Um, is there any particular matches that you really liked about the Royal Rumble that stuck out to you guys? Yeah, like, I you, the plus I mean, was plus we have Takeover to talk about yeah. too. Oh, takeover let's talk about Takeover amazing. first. That tag match to open the show was great. I loved how Authors of Pain lost the way they lost though, because then it made sense. I really enjoyed that. I top to bottom, it was a great show. My favorite part was seeing Candice LeRae jump the guardrail. Oh, to yeah. beat up Selena Vega during that main event. And it made too, because for a second you're like, oh, well, Selena's there, you know, running the show, so why isn't Candace doing anything? So when Candace finally came in, they're like, okay, now we have, you know, some fair play. But honestly, Andrade Cien Alves and Johnny Gargano were off the charge, man. Like, the second that match was over, everybody on Twitter was like, match of the year candidate, match of the year candidate. And honestly, I thought Johnny Gargano was actually going to win, because that's the way I kind of felt like it was built up towards, and that was a vibe that we got with his family there, and all of that stuff. And towards the end, where it didn't seem that way anymore, I was like, wow, like, it just kind of kept you on your ed- on the edge. It was heartbreaking when he didn't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> But it was so it was it was so good, and um, Hunter Hunter told me like I hit him up afterwards, and he's like, "Yeah, Gargano's the last of the white meat baby faces," and you know, pretty much true right now. You know, not that there can't ever be any you know anymore, but like as far as what we have to you know to choose from right now, like, he's the guy that that kind of fits that. And I can't I don't really see anyone else. Um, Oh crap! Alistair Black. Sorry, I keep oh, wanting to call him wow. Tommy End. Alistair Black. Yes, that match was great too. Yeah, because I didn't think that they could top that, and that was a pretty safe assumption, actually. Except for I was wrong, you know. So every match kind of went out there and and um, and crushed it really, and then the next one came out and followed it. It was really. The show, uh, it's, it was it was set up. It was paced nicely. 
the the pace of the build is one of yeah. the the best takeovers that we've had in in a really long time. And honestly, I didn't think that Gargano and Almas was gonna knock it out of the park as well as they Me, were going to. Neither did I. I'm I'm so happy at how how much they uh, superseded my expectations. Almas has stepped up because when he first when he was first uh, introduced, remember they tried to uh, pass him up as a babyface. Remember yeah, with the yeah, stupid that, hat and all uh, that dumb yeah, shit. And the feather and. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, they're Kinda trying like to, dancing like... dancing and shit. I thought they were, like, ribbing the guy, trying to, like, you know... Because <laughs> yeah. that is a rib, but really. the second he showed... When the, the mariachi showed up, and he came out in the La Sombra mask, I, and, and he had yeah. a new graphic, I was like, that's the champ, that's El Idolo, that's the guy that, that we've been waiting to see this entire time, and I'm excited for what this next match is going to be. And also, uh, he br- he's bringing more... Uh, intensity and in, inside the ring because before it was just too like kind of lucha it was yeah it was too like when like when you watch the average lucha match it was you got to be more hard hitting than that it's got you got yeah you got to bring it and and so he's bringing it now yeah. well we saw the two of them face each other at nxt when they were in la so to think that they've had this match since then and just being able yeah. to perfect it all the way up yeah. until this takeover, it really shows. I almost feel like at the start of his NXT run, we really didn't see like everything that he was capable of doing, that the fans knew that he was capable of doing. And now, like with the last match at TakeOver, I kind of feel like you said, like it's more hard-hitting. We're starting to see more of him come out and more of what he can do and what, yeah. what his fans previously know that he can do. I actually um, recommended him. Was they, Canyon Seaman, uh, Hunter had him come to me and... Uh, when it was when the when Alberto Del Which Rio one? the first time he left, oh, okay. and they're like, "Oh, we need another Alberto Del Rio." They they come to me and, and and they're like, "We need somebody that's like under thirty, speaks English, and doesn't do drugs." And Matt, Mexican wrestler, I'm like, it doesn't really exist. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, not one like I mean they do, but like the you know, good not luck. one that's an established good one. Yeah, that you could put on, on TV and know that they're gonna yeah. hold their weight. Uh, <laughs> Cassius Ono and the Velveteen Dream, great, yeah, so good. Yeah, Velveteen Dream just kills. I love how whoever he wrestles, he models his gear after them. So we're like, like boxing. Rick yeah, so good. Yeah. Even had the airbrushed Chris Hero face on the on the boxing shorts. Mm-hmm. He's the man. Amber Moon and uh, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler, thank you. That was good. Yeah, I don't, I don't really like when she wrestles and people are going for arm bars, or like she's going for an arm bar and she doesn't get it right away, or they struggle so long with it. Mm-hmm. When she's an established MMA fighter, yeah. like it should, like this is a sparring match for you. I almost feel like. Because had you been seen in an, had you seen it in MMA, the guy would have tapped a right lot away. faster oh, than that. Oh, once you straighten yeah, your arm out, yeah. it's yeah. done. She took a really long time, and I kind of felt like that defeated a little bit of the purpose, you know. So I kind of felt like, you know, yeah. had it been like done that way, it would have been a little bit different. I like the match. I thought it was good. It was just like little things like that. I just think of what Rip Rogers says. Yeah. Like MMA is giving you the answers to the test. So when we watch MMA and we see how fast someone gets knocked out or mm-hmm. how soon they tap out from an yeah. armbar. And then a professional MMA fighter has this person in an armbar rolling around for a couple minutes. You're like, that wouldn't happen. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It takes you out of the element mm-hmm. instead of being so involved. Like on Raw after the Rumble, seeing uh, 
Sasha Banks and Oscar go at it, and you're like, "Holy shit, mm -hmm. these girls are going toe to toe." Yeah, you know. So yeah. Anyways, uh, I guess. I mean, that pretty much sums it up for for Takeover. Great show. Takeover is excellent, and then Tommaso Ciampa appears at the end yeah. and attacks Johnny Gargano. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to be one of the Mararachi band no. with the mask on, but really? that would have been too soon. Yeah. yeah. Does he play the guitar? No, I just thought, like, why not have him be, like, one of the guys with the mask, hits him with the guitar. Oh, wow, Tommaso here. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, on to the Rumble. What did you guys think? I loved it. Yeah. I couldn't have been happier with the outcomes of every match. How did you, well, what about the um, the way they, they laid the show out as far as where, what, where the matches were placed? I thought at first, oh, sorry, Jumbo. I thought at first I was actually surprised that they had the men's rumble before the women's rumble. And I didn't get to watch the rumble live, so I found out via Twitter. Yeah. So at this point, I still didn't know everything that was going on. So I was actually a little surprised. But now that, you know, we saw everything unfold, end, yeah. it, it worked out. It yeah. did. Yeah. It did. And both rumbles were, were well done, I thought. I thought that they all, I mean, both both of them had, um, and and... You know the, their fair share of, of great moments spaced nicely throughout the, uh, the throughout the matches. The oh, pancakes you know. was hilarious, that was awesome. And I love how Heath Slater just kept getting knocked down. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, it was a good mix between like you know you had a little bit of like the intensity is like okay, well you don't know what's going to happen, and you have that you know laughable moment. It was like a good mix for both those uh, hurricane. Both yeah. yeah, the hurricane coming in. I think for the, right out. I like when he got tossed out, he played to the pancakes and he was kind of like slippery Whoa. slope sort of thing. I like that he played to that. Um, I personally really enjoyed, obviously, when Rey Mysterio came out for the men's rumble. Mm -hmm. Man, he came oh. out with so much energy, such in good shape, went in there, cleaned house. It, it was really good to see him come back and all of that. So to see him come out for the rumble, I feel like it kind of took the rumble to that next level of the match where it's like, okay, now this is getting like even yeah. more exciting, you know? It was really cool when it was like uh, Rain Cena Ray or Orton. Yeah. It was like old guard and new guard. It yeah. was like the future and the now or like the, the, the then and the now. Mm -hmm. That was really cool. I enjoyed the rumble. And then the new it. day spot where Kofi just like, <laughs> I was extremely pleased. That they went with Shinsuke. Yeah. Yes. Because, uh, you know, there honestly hasn't been altogether the best, like, run for him as far as, like, what, what I was hoping for. And now it seems like, okay, we get him back on track here. Yeah. Because that, I think, you could tell by the way the crowd reacted, that was the right way to go with that. Yeah. The way I saw it. I think that, honestly, since Money in the Bank, where he had that moment with AJ Styles yeah. and just how, like, everybody erupted, I think in that moment it was clear that these two had to be, you know, facing each other mm -hmm. at WrestleMania because you, you just – those are little that things feel. that you – Exactly, mm -hmm. that you just need to eventually yep. see before it's too late. Yeah, and I, did anyone really mention the fact that Japanese – uh, that Japan uh, won both the Rumbles? Yeah. A couple people did. Yeah. I, I noticed a couple people, uh, Ryan Satin did. Um, I, I liked how, how Shinsuke won because I think Raw's title picture is a lot more has a lot more options and they've been presenting a lot more options over the past couple yeah. of months with how WrestleMania is going to look. Whereas with SmackDown, we it's been just sort of locked into Sammy... Uh, Sammy, Kevin, and AJ. So to get that sort of a push forward through to WrestleMania, I think is something that SmackDown needed. Yeah, 
Yeah, I do too. And for the for the woman's. I agree, too. Mark. You're you're right. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I will take my correctness and go immediately to the internet. And then the woman's rumble I thought oh, was so fast paced. Every yeah. single moment of that was on point. I loved everybody that came out. Obviously, since it was the first rumble, we had to see a lot of legends. Lita, Molly Holly, who like literally quickly became mm-hmm. one of the highlights of the entire rumble. Um, I loved Naomi's spot with the chair. That oh was gosh. hilarious. I, I, I love the woman's rumble. Wow. It was great. Yeah, it was amazing. My okay. only critique of that was there's too much nostalgia. So many like old uh, acts that came out. Like Trish Lita, which was great to see, but when they were like half half of the Rumble was ladies that we really know aren't going to win, it was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, but still, it's I mean the fact that this is the first one is is crazy oh, to, yeah. to believe, and it's kind of like they did it the best way because these a lot of those women are still into fitness. They're still it wasn't like you know they're. 40 pounds overweight and they've like since oh is it like Iron Sheik has to win because no one can toss him over the top rope so it was just it was just amazing to see that because they didn't have that opportunity so I think for the first rumble it's the the best way to go I was shocked that Lita did as much as she did and I loved that she put Luna and China on her arm Mm -hmm. as a tribute that was really good I just wanted more younger women so you didn't know who was going to win. But when, like, Trish comes out at 30, you're like, okay, Trish is not going to win. Who's left in this? Like, who's actually going to win this? Yeah, I was a little bit, like, yeah, I was wondering like, what was up Too nostalgia-heavy yeah. for me. But I yeah. loved everything. Mm-hmm. Like, all, all the women were great. I think for the second Women's Rumble, gonna I think different. we're going to be seeing more of, like, the women we saw at the Mae Young Classic, mm-hmm. you know, more NXT women, so on and so forth. I think that we're probably going to see a little bit more of that yeah. for the second Women's Rumble. I was hoping that we would see Alundra Blaze in there. Yeah. I was yeah. a little disappointed. Yeah. Especially yeah. she was on the pre-show, too. I was yeah. hoping we'd see Victoria also. We, they still got a few women in and their back pocket for yeah. to do the, the like more nostalgia stuff for the next Rumble, yeah. too, so that's good. And I thought when Selena Vegas came out with Andres Yamas, when he entered the Rumble, she would be in the Rumble and Candice would be in the Rumble and they would eliminate each other. Like, oh, tune, tune into NXT because these two have a battle going yeah. on. Mm. But Yeah. Man, Can't cram everything into to, to one. You'd be surprised. One. Well, it's 30 women, and if you go back to, you know, like, I understand what you're saying, but it's just kind of like, I feel like they've done their their bid, and then next year, the second one, it's like, okay, we're going to include more, you know, fresh meat. I knew when the men's yeah, rumble fresh meat. opened yeah. the show <laughs> that Rousey was going to show up. Yeah, well, I think that was, like, yeah. everyone's, like, when, given. Because I thought the women's rumble would open the show, but when it didn't, I'm like, okay, Rousey's well, see, showing up for sure. Well, here's the thing, sure, because we got her, go-home. she was flying to... Cuba or something? No, she was Columbia. flying to Columbia. She's flying to Columbia, and we got her at the airport, and she's like, well, you know, I'm going to film. So everybody's... Like, it was it was a perfect lie for people who don't really follow it. So it's like, oh, well, she's going to film. So there's, like, because the rumors have been there for so long. Yeah. And then she shows up, and I'm like, wait a minute. And then Harvey got very They even upset, flew back yeah. her her husband or boyfriend. It, Why did he get upset? Because he didn't... Because he got... Uh, well, her husband, her husband, her husband was at the house with the two sons, which was yeah. really cute. Um, but Harvey was upset because she looked us dead in the camera and was like, "I'm flying to Columbia. I, there's no way I'd be at the Royal Rumble." Like that was a stupid she question. Was, so, what yeah. was she supposed to say? Well, exactly. It's a ruse, a cunning attempt to trick me. Well, you know, it was it was a good it was a good one. You had a lot of people because you know I was like, "Oh well, no, she's not going to be the Royal Rumble." Some people like, just don't like to be fooled anymore. <laughs> they get hot yeah. about being fooled because they want to be the one that's in on it. Well, it was that's, amazing. That's it, was a, it was amazing. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just, I'm not, I'm ho- I hope they don't give her everything because she's Ronda Rousey. I want to see her work they for won't. 
Okay. Well, what do you guys think about how she came out? And, you know, because I know some people were on the end. Some people argued that she stole Oscar's moment. Some other people argued that she should have been in the Rumble. Some people, like, all these different things. <laughs> she didn't steal things, anyone's moment. Uh, that people were talking about. So I don't know how you guys felt that was about done each in, thing. That was done in Zach. It was done by design. It was, do, it was done to get people to make, to, to get people to complain and, and uh, say the exact things that you're just talking about. They, uh, they're, Trust me, there it, you go. I think it did a couple of things. It provided us, one, we don't know what Rousey's going to do, except she's going to be at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Two, we don't know what Asuka's going to do, because she's standing there in between the two champions, which means I need to tune into Raw to see if she picks Alexa. Mm-hmm. I need to tune into SmackDown in, in case she picks Charlotte. And I need to tune into both of those shows to see what Ronda does. And it did it in the most organic way, instead of Michael Cole going, hey, you better tune into Raw to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You're correct, Mark. <laughs> Back to the internet, man. Correct I'm starting my are. own. I'm starting my own sheet website. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> my favorite part of that was actually Oscar's reaction. I think she had the best reaction out of Charlotte, Alexa, everybody when they saw Ronda. Like she was like slapping her hand. I don't care yeah. about you. You yeah. know, like I'm Oscar. I'm, you know. Yeah. I wish they could have inserted some curse words in there. It would have been really awesome. Like, I'd have half a mind to think that Oscar would pick Brock Lesnar anyway. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Uh, was that Roddy Piper's jacket she had on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she she mentioned how she got it from Colton before going out. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. I thought it was a little big on her. Yeah, <laughs> and it looked exactly like Piper's jacket. And he Piper has a crazy story about that jacket. It's all custom made. Mm. But. So, yeah, good show. I thought that they got everything they wanted to get out of that. Yeah. Wait, tons of publicity and oh my god! Okay, yeah, I, got, I, I I read some people go, oh, she doesn't have the drawing, like it's not as big a deal. She was there's not as much drawing power, like you know she lost those fights. The Disco Inferno, I'm talking about <laughs> saying all that negative Nancy, but uh, um, she's okay, doing, she's, doing, she's well. doing just fine, just fine. Uh, mission accomplished. You can be na- the naysayer, or it wasn't as good as it could have been. Mission accomplished. Well, it's kind of like Mike Tyson. Like, when Mike Tyson went to WWF, it was after his prime, and he had lost fights, and he had the whole it was Holyfield ear thing. But, yeah, it's freaking Mike Tyson, man. Yeah. It's you know? crazy, because some people, Mike Tyson, they don't even remember that he's a boxer. Like, kids look yeah. at him, and they just see him yeah, from... Like, um, oh, that cartoon you have. The cartoon, <laughs> and then also the, what was the movie? Uh, the that Hangover. Was, like, hangover. Like, they remember from him from that. They don't even remember all the other stuff that came with that. And mm. I think with, with Ronda, it's just kind of like she's separated herself enough from uh, the UFC. She's been doing movies and all this other stuff. And WWE perfectly teased everything as far as, you know, we saw Ronda and Triple H out at dinner. I mean, that was perfect because, you know, there's pictures that like they teased us just enough and then she shows up at Royal Rumble. It was like the perfect. It wasn't, you know, one of those like Mayweather McGregor, which was just way too much. too much. Yeah. So it was just the amount of time where it's like, OK, this this can settle it and I'm good with this. Let's see what's going to happen. And it's just really good for the look of the company when you're coming up there. The TV contracts coming up. There's a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of reasons. Uh, this is just such a big deal for WWE. So, cool. All right, Happy what else is going on? Well, uh, Vince Hello? McMahon brings back some old things. <laughs> so, Vince McMahon announced that the XFL will be returning in 2020. 
I like heard rumors about this, but I wasn't sure if it was gonna actually happen. And then like here we are. Well, I knew it was gonna happen when when Vince uh, sold a bunch of stock, like a couple hundred million dollars in stock, and started an LLC called uh, Alpha Sports. Alpha Media, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's gonna. They they've given themselves two years for, mm-hmm. to to get this off the ground, and um, last time they had two months. Yeah. And I don't and they think it's a good idea time. to bet against this working. Well, this might it might work. So you said he's going to shorten everything, so it's no longer going to be like the three hours. He's going to shorten it to two hours. Um, you know, it's going to be a faster pace. So it's almost going to yeah. be like the the best. I don't know if you guys watch CFL, but it's going to be like a combination of CFL, arena football, NFL, and NFL kind of combined at a faster pace, which is good for people who don't want to sit. You yeah. know, all Sunday and watch three football games when you can watch like you know one comprehensive football game. So it might might be a good. But there's people that are read some articles where they say it's not going to work. But of course, they, a bunch of people are going to say that. Watch though, like I, you know, anyone could say what they want, and we just have to wait to see what happens. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, there's a there's a there's an appetite for that right now, uh, and. Uh, I, you know, I watched I watched the press conference. Uh, I, I don't know if they're gonna be able to pull off the. Uh, I don't know how, you know, to to disqualify people for having a DUI or something in their past is like saying that people are, um, if they have make mistakes in in their past that they're like so they're beyond redemption then, like. You know, there's other things besides, and and here's the thing also is like a lot of these, maybe some people. I don't really care if some people want to hear this or not. I'm gonna say it. Um, you know, a lot of the the crimes that end up on somebody's records are are disproportionate to you know what the color of somebody's skin is. Mm-hmm. So let's just be real about it. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. I, I don't think it's gonna be as easy for them to find players as they think. If that's gonna be like, if they're gonna use that as their criteria. Well, it might be or they're because disqualify you, people for things. Yeah, but you have to think too. So, like most uh, universal, like most university teams have like eight or eighty players on the teams, yeah. and out of those eighty players, the ones who go into the NFL, I mean, every year you may at a good school you maybe get like five to ten. So now everybody else, they they leave and they're trying to train to get back at least the second year so you have those people who don't make it to the nfl don't want to go to the cfl because they're not there yet no money there yeah then you have you have arena league and then you have xfl so that might give the people who don't quite make it to the nfl you know more chances and opportunities that you get to be an athlete for a little bit longer versus you know working at mcdonald's after you graduate from college so like college players that don't get played to play don't get paid to play could they just not go to college and go right to the xfl yeah Maybe. They they Ta- could, but then that's kind of because it's a different thing when you're doing basketball because yeah, you know it, you're not it's, getting crunched yeah. and hit by now you're talking about somebody who's 19 that's yeah. gonna get hit by somebody who's 27. You're looking at muscle mass, you're looking at all that other stuff, so it's a little bit different. And then you know Vince did mention the whole concussion thing, and they're gonna change the sport, which I don't know how they're going to do that. Like football is football. Like I don't know, you know, other than having you know was it tag football or something like that. Other than changing that, that you're still gonna be hitting people. Yeah. So I don't know how they're going to get away from the concussions thing. And then on top of that, too, the whole political thing was kind of, I mean, you can't 
they're they're still people. They're they're athletes, but they're people first. So you know, whatever they feel, are you gonna like tell them they can't say certain things on the internet? Like, what's gonna go on with that? With the whole political stance. Yeah. I actually do remember Vince mentioning in the press conference that people will be all the, that the players will be able to express themselves politically or whatever on social media or whatever other platforms he was mentioning that they were trying to keep that off of the field. Yeah, but to what extent? Because you have Jamil Hill from ESPN. I don't know. That like made her opinions known, and she yeah. got reprimanded by ESPN. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, I, I, I think there's going to be an issue where, where you either have them sign a contract. It's like, okay, well, you can use your social media, but these are the things that you... Yeah. It, You're not allowed if yeah. That's, yeah. to if that's, if you agree, If that's what you agree to before you... Go. That's what you agreed to, right. and you stick by it. Like there, there was, I, I don't, I just don't think there were any real uh, in the NFL. There, I don't think there's technically any no. rules saying that you yeah, have to stand for. Yeah, I think the NBA does, or there's something in the NBA like, like yeah. a loophole in the NBA, but the NFL so, didn't have it. Yeah, I mean, so people can if they if they want to play in in, in this league, you know, they, you know. It's like anything else, you know. If there, there's rules, like, and you want to abide by them, go play. Yeah, there's, there's now. There's not more options for more, more not people. Not saying I agree or disagree with some of their policies. Just, you know, they. I, if it's not a publicly traded company, it's really hard to. Well, we can say what we want, but you know, some people it's not that hard at all for them to give their <laughs> opinion. But you know what I mean. It's just it's. You, it's hard to dictate to a public, uh, to a privately owned company or LLC or whatever what they can or can't do or make their players do. So yeah, whatever. I think with the XFL, you know, there's so many since it's a new thing, and you know, obviously starting a football league isn't e as easy as one, two, three. You know, I think that there is a lot of pros and cons to this. Like for sure, like one of the struggles I think is going to be getting to get those top notch players because one of the things that's going to make people want to watch is that the athletes are good and the games are good so if we're necessarily just getting the guys that don't make it to the nfl probably isn't like the best way to think see it that way you yeah, know but college athletes like yeah. that's the thing though like some college athletes who should be going to the nfl they don't quite make it because it might be the year that they're going in so yeah. you can't like that this is a little bit different like it's almost like you just take division one athletes mm -hmm. on a whole and you put them and you spread them across, you're going to have good games. If you take somebody from, you know, NAIA or Division Three, that's a whole other beast. But the likelihood, they're probably going to target Division One athletes, and there's more than enough of them to go around. Because, like I said, there's 80 people on the team. Probably on that team, about 40 people get scholarships. So there's going to be talent. It's just, one, how they're going to form those contracts and how they're going to put it together. And, yeah. make it, you know. and it's different here because... Uh, as uh, different than than NFL, which has franchised their their teams out, uh, this all the teams are going to be owned by the league. So, like, what does that? I mean, what does that mean? Like, that just makes me that kind of raises an eyebrow as far mm -hmm. as I'm concerned. Like, Player you know, stuff and, issues and just like, okay, if all the teams are owned by the same people, can't they just kind of manipulate who's going to win and who's going to lose and all that crap? So that's what makes I think about things like that. It's kind of like in boxing. It used to be against the law for the for the promoter to own stake in the fighters. Mm -hmm. it used to be you could not do that. I don't know whatever happened to that rule. But nobody's really following it anymore <laughs> for years. So, 
Yeah, right. and one of the other things I wanted to add, though, that one of the pros to this was that now, like, you know, versus the XFL back in the day versus now, is that there are so many more different platforms that this could be distributed right. in. So I think that's one of the major things with, like, the hype and then the wrestling community and the hype around it that can contribute to the success of the XFL. Yeah. And plus the learning from what was done right and not done right the first time to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Cool. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm interested to see what, like I said, I don't bet against this. I I won't, I wouldn't, so. All right, what else? Anything? Uh, We have some new entrants for the WWE Hall of Fame. So the Dudley boys have been added to the Hall of Fame for, or they're going to be added to the Hall of Fame. So it's going to be a whole, like. 2018 Goldberg and the Dudley so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it just Bubba Ray and Devon, or is the whole Dudley clan? No, it's just a lot of Dudleys. No, it's just Bubba and Devon. We know that because they're the only two in the picture. But I'm sure that (laughs) Spike and, you know, all those guys might show up. I don't know. There's only Spike and Yeah, Spike should should get acknowledgement. Like, they should talk about the other ones, but I think Spike would be the other one that should get inducted with them. They actually had, like, Several Dudley. They had a dances with dances Dudleys. with Dudley, Big Dick Dudley, yeah. Sign Guy Dudley. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot Big of Dudley. Yeah, there's Dudleyville. There's an totally entire village of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations, yeah. these guys. Uh, one of the greatest tags team. Tags team. <laughs> greatest tag teams ever. One of the greatest. Like, I you know. Um, and especially if you were growing up in, in our, you know, in the Attitude Era or whatever, and you got to see them, if you're a wrestling fan coming up then and you got to see them start off in ECW and then come, come in and, you know, WWE. Tables, letters, Get, and beat, get beat by Road Dog and I in the <laughs> <laughs> tables match. <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, no, they're great. They're fantastic. And they deserve it, and it's a it's a good addition to uh, it's a good addition to this year's class, or the 2018 class, or Hall of Fame class. Duh. Boy, I'm having a good time today with my words. <laughs> it's because you don't have any coffee. Goldberg. You know how I, many you say coffee? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not I, not as much coffee this morning. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, I farted once. <laughs> Before we started. Oh was just boy. A little toot. <laughs> All right. With a smile. Yeah. <laughs> Goldberg, the Dudleys. I'm wondering who's going to be next. Is that a Goldberg pun or no? No. Oh, okay. No, Goldberg, that's a great, that's, I think it's great. And so far it's looking really good. So now do you, do you know if they call you in advance, like to let you know you're going to be in the Hall of Fame or is it like, do you just find out on the internet and then they call you after, like to let you. I don't know. Well, in the resurrection of Jake the Snake, they call <laughs> DDP and tell him. That Jake's going in. Yeah. So, like, Jake could f- be filmed when he finds out, and then they film DDP when he finds out. So, I'm pretty sure they call you and let you know. I don't know. I'm just, you know, wondering if they give Sean a call or. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, no one's called X-Pac me. X-Pac 20. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you think inducts them in the Hall of Fame? I don't know. Uh, Paulie Paul or Amy. something. Yeah. Spike Dudley. Maybe. What about I could Goldberg? see that. I don't know. Good, I, that's a good question. Kevin Nash would be awesome. Is it? I 
I don't understand why people say that. I mean, I guess I just wasn't paying attention to WCW. Everyone says that Nash was the reason that Goldberg lost the streak and the streak ended was because Nash wanted it that way and then Nash loses to Hogan with the finger poke right after he ends the streak and it was all Nash's big idea to No, that was Vince's idea. Oh wait, I'm not supposed to say that. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't say that. Don't put that Moving on. <laughs> not going to the press release. Alright, let's take a break real quick and we're gonna come back with Ken Anderson. Alright. Hey, Xbox One Two Three Sixty fans! I just want to tell you two ways that you can support the show to help it grow. First, if you've ever wanted a shout out, a surprise message for various occasions from me, all you have to do is visit slash Sean Waltman to request a video today. Not only does it support the show, but a portion of the proceeds go to charity. Second, to visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the X-Pac 12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag X-Pac 12360. That's CelebVM.com slash Sean Waltman for a personal message from me, X-Pac. And ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman for X-Pac, Wolfpack, and X-Pac 12360 gear. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back, everyone. Joining us via Skype right now. Uh, he used to be called uh, Mr. Kennedy, but he's been Mr. Anderson for so long, I almost forgot uh, <laughs> he was called Mr. Kennedy. Ken Anderson, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And Ken, I don't uh, know if that's a good thing that you forgot. <laughs> no, it's just been, it's just that, like, you know, some people, even when you leave uh, WWE and you change your name, they still call you the other name. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's just, it's, it's just, it, for for you, and, and the way I see it, like, people are now used to you being Mr. Anderson, and that's just how what you are now. Like, you know, right? That's how I look yeah. at it. Yeah. yeah it wasn't was, that big was of a surprised. difference. It wasn't was that surprised. big of a difference. Sorry, sorry, Ken. Sorry about no, that. No, no, sorry, sorry. I, I was surprised that when I run into fans and stuff like that, um, I always expected people to, oh, you're Mr. Kennedy, but pretty quickly they started calling me Mr. Anderson. And uh, I haven't, you know, every, occasionally I'll hear Kennedy, but for the most part they know that I'm Mr. Anderson now. Yeah, I mean, everything's the same. It's just, you know. Yeah. Well, the, my favorite is um, when somebody will say, uh, Hey man, I liked you better when you was Kennedy. It's the and same like, guy. <laughs> I didn't change anything. I didn't yeah. change anything. Yeah. So people ask me sometimes, like, "What's your favorite like gimmick?" I liked you when you were such and such. Uh, I'm like, it's, it's, "I was the same guy, just different name." Yeah. Different. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. so didn't change anything. So, like, for for anyone that might not know, um, uh, you yourself, um, uh, Sean Davari, Molly Holly. Uh, is is Eric Cannon part of the school? He is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. He's a big part of the school. Yeah. Absolutely. And and uh, and you guys have a school uh, in in the Twin Cities, my my hometown. And I was I was lucky enough to come in and visit and do a, um, a do a seminar there. Thank you, Jimbo, for helping me out with that word. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were lucky. We were lucky to have you. And the kids still talk about the kids. Uh, I hated it when people called me a kid, but uh, here I am doing the same yeah. thing, right? But the students still talk about the fact that you put in a ridiculous shift. I think at like six and a half hours of a seminar, and yeah. wow. you know your family finally had to 
come and take the hook and say, yeah. like, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Ken, I mean, that's just, obviously, like, you you love what what we do and uh, enough to, to want to just, you know, pass it on uh, and, and try to, you know, keep it going on down the line for, you know, for the next generation. And, and that's how I feel, man. So when you're there and you're in the middle of that, like you kind of lose track of time when, especially when you're having that much fun. I do every night. Uh, class is supposed to be from seven till nine and regularly like Devario come in at 1030 and say like, what's going on? Are you done? Like, you know, I, and it's, it's, to me, it's not work. It's fun. I enjoy it especially when the students are really into it and it's just a good learning atmosphere and everybody's having fun. I just, it, it's not work and I don't put a time limit on that. Yeah. And, and I, it's cool to see, um, uh, I, a school in the, in the twin cities area that's actually, you know, uh, has an actual, like a piece of real estate, you know, and you know, a yeah. store, a storefront. Like you, you pull up there, and it's actually like professional looking. And and there's a curriculum, like it's it's run like a school. And that's not like you don't. It, it hasn't really been that much of that in the Twin Cities area. Yeah, for for a very long time, they were just run somebody's motor- backyard. You know, we're gonna set a ring yep. up and a garage or yeah. something like that. Like you know, somebody's garage. Or I think some of the promoters were just. They, if they did a show, if they ran a show in the area, they would just set the ring up a few hours beforehand and guys could come and roll around a little bit and kind of teach themselves. Yeah. yeah. But it's nice that, you know, that was one of the things we wanted to have a place that we, and we sort of designed it It's on a way lighter budget, obviously, but we looked at what the performance center is doing and how do we take that to an independent level? Because in order to go to the WWE performance center, you have to be signed by the WWE and you know, they don't just take people off the street where we wanted to give people that opportunity. And they, and you do, and, and you, you know, uh, you have a big, a big uh, video screen and you have, you know, like access to, you know, like WWE Network and, and, and I probably whatever the hell you, uh, whatever anyone on the Internet has access to. And so, like, that was a, 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 a really good tool for me coming in there and doing a seminar, Ken, was being able to refer to, you know, some some of the matches that I've I've had. Because I know what I did wrong in those matches and it's easier, yeah. you know, it's easier to pick apart your own stuff and, you know. Uh, as opposed to other people's. Well, for me, you know. And then you also have that background of, here's what we were told to do. Here, you know, they yeah. gave us these specific directives, and this thing right here in this matter here, this went yeah. wrong, and here's how we fixed it. Yeah, this is what like I that. was thinking right here, and this, yeah, exactly. This is what went wrong. I should, you know, I know, like, I don't know about you, Ken, but like when when I watch my stuff back, man, I pick it apart with a fine tooth comb. Like, I know every screw-up and everything that I should have done different in that match. I have never, I, I to date, don't have a match, in the, and I've been wrestling for 19 years now, I do not have a match where I watched it back and said, yep, that was awesome. Like, <laughs> I, I hate watching my stuff, but I, I know that it's necessary because it's the only thing that gets you better. You know, yeah. you continue to... I'm continuing to learn 
even after I'm almost yeah. 20 years in the business. See, I'm um, a, I'm, a, I'm able to watch other matches like a wrestling fan still, but not my own. Yes, absolutely. Sure. But, you know, there, there are certain things that I, I think because we've been in the business and done, you know, what we've done in the business, like um, you kind of get cynical a little bit. Like, what are they doing? Why yeah. are they doing this? That doesn't make any sense. Um, That's not how I would have done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. These kids today. Yeah. Can, considering how many great and successful wrestlers have come out of Minnesota, do you ever feel any sort of pressure to kind of tr- continue that tradition with your school? You know, I don't look at it as pressure. It's just something that we want to continue. And that's, we've already have a few students who are, you know, gaining some notoriety in the area. And um, it's just, that's our goal. And it's not really, I don't, I don't look at it as pressure. It's just what needs to be done. What's the first thing that you teach the guys when they come in first day of wrestling school or about wrestling in general? Um, the first thing that I was ever taught, and it's still like the first thing that I, I teach people is um, treat treat people well. And the person that you step on on your way to the top is the person that you're going to bump into on your way back down. Yeah. Hey, have you have you had any of those uh, encounters like people on their way back down or people, you know, you know what I mean? No, you know that treated you, you like always, shit. You always, what's that? Have, you know what I mean? Guys that treated you like shit on their way up, and now that they're like on their way back down, you run back into them. I've never, I've really never experienced um, people that treated me poorly in the business. Yeah. You, and you know, you always remember, you always remember those people that kind of treated you like garbage. Yeah. And you always remember the people that were really kind to you and treated you well. And the people that treated me like garbage were, you know, they never made it past to the independent level. Yeah. And that's not that's not a knock because just you don't have to aspire to be, the, you know, in the main event at a WWE show in order to be successful in the business. Success is in the eye of the beholder. But yeah. you they're, they're just not around anymore. And they were respected at the time. And I respected them because they'd been in the business for, you know, a yeah. lot longer than I had been at the time. And I just nodded and kept my mouth shut and tried to, you know, they treated me like garbage. And I just, thank you, sir. May I have another? Sure. I ran into a lot of like, maybe not like treat you like garbage to your face, but you knew you were getting the knives in the back. And like, you know, a lot of that was coming up in the independence, Ken. You know, yep. and, and like, I think you're, you know, you, it sounds like you experienced two guys that, you know, that had, they had some notoriety, you know, they might've made it, you know, further than obviously we had at the time, but you know, uh, we had places to go and they weren't going anywhere and they yep. knew it. Yep. And uh, there was a one specific example of a guy who, uh, I remember six months before Dara got signed said to me you know that they just because at the time we were doing a lot of dark matches or we go in and do like explosion for tna or sunday night heat and stuff like that and we just go in there and get squashed um but we were always you know we were sponges and we just kept learning and i remember he he said to me uh you know that they just think you guys are goofs right They're, they're just messing with you guys they're ribbing you guys and i just kept my mouth shut and i remember thinking like dara is really close to being signed and then Sure enough, a few months later, he called me 
and said, Dr. Tom just signed me. And then, you know, a year later I got signed. Yeah. Are you going to tell us who it was? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to bury anybody. Yeah, you know, that's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm probably sure I know who it is anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> so, go ahead. Go for it. Well, running this wrestling school, has it helped you in your own career and in your own matches, helping students? Absolutely. Like I said earlier, I'm still learning after almost 20 years in the business. Um, you know, and, and I, certain guys that I've been friends with, like Christopher Daniels was an example of somebody who came in and did a seminar with. Chris and I rode together for three years when, when I was in TNA. We talked all the time, like five days a week, roomed together. But we just, for whatever reason, we never talked wrestling psychology. And he would come in. He came in to do a seminar, and I sat there for four hours, and I was just like, oh, I never thought of that that yeah. way. You know, like, and, yeah. So every time when Sean came in, man, I, I'm, a, I'm sitting there like a sponge. I'm enjoying it. Hopefully, just as much as the students are enjoying it. Hey, Ken, what what do you do different? Uh, um, you know, we were brought up in, in, in you know different schools and that, and like different schools do things differently. You know, how do you do things different than how you were brought up? So, I was fortunate to have good trainers who didn't treat us like garbage. Um, they were, they were kind to their students and, you know, you get all shapes and sizes and backgrounds that come, that want to be a part of this business. Um, so no, no, nobody ever treated me like garbage, but I have heard and seen examples of, you know, that mentality where you really got to make them earn it and yeah. you got to beat the, beat the hell out of them, make right. them do a thousand squats every single day till they puke pass out, go to the hospital, quit. Um, and then the ones that really want it will stick around. And my, my mentality and Dara's mentality is just be kind to people, teach them things, because the reality is that it takes all kinds in this business. If everybody was exactly the same, it would be a boring yeah. world and a boring business. And, and for instance, there was a guy who came in was not a good athlete, just was not an athlete. He tried for six months, you know, could barely run the ropes, took crappy bumps, but he just kept trying and he kept trying. He would buy, uh, you know, we have private training. He went through 10 to 15 private sessions, one-on-one, -on -one, just trying to get better. And after six months or so, he came and said, you know, I don't think I'm cut out for wrestling, but I love the business and I want to try my hand at being a referee. So we just transitioned him, and he started refing. And the next weekend, he was getting booked on shows, and now he's booked. You know, if there's shows Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, double shots, he's booked every single weekend. He's traveling all over the country. He's traveling to Canada. Had we beaten beaten him into submission, he yeah. would have gone away, and the wrestling world yeah. would not be able to appreciate sure. you know that talent. Yeah, I, I I believe in making the guys work and, and, and all that. That's but you know when you're just trying to like okay, let's make these, this guy in the first day do a thousand squats or five. First of all, no one's going to be able to do that, or very few that show up are going to be able to do that. And like that's that old mentality of let's like try to get their money and run them off and take their money. Totally, that's bullshit. Totally. 
You know? And you know what? Like, it's a business. Obviously, we want to make money, but... That's the lo- that's the short term bullshit con way of doing it, and or you can be in in it for the long haul and the long game, and that's to do it the right way, uh, you know what I mean? And and I it's just that old mentality uh, of like let's try to just get all the money we can from the quote unquote marks or, or di- you know what I mean? It's that 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 yep. shitty st- feeling that that we. I, I feel like we've done a pretty good job at, as an industry of washing off of ourselves, you know, in the past yeah, several I, years. I absolutely, I despise that mentality. I hate it. And I always think like, what does, I remember hearing this, these horror stories of one trainer making four guys stand on each. So one person standing on each turnbuckle and then two guys are crisscrossing in yeah. the middle of the ring and they're doing squats on the top turnbuckle I don't understand how that makes you a better wrestler, and it put, puts every person in that ring at risk for permanent injury. And I just, I don't understand it. You know, you yes, be a, I can, you you can do be a thousand a, squats. Yeah, you got to be an idiot. You got to be an idiot to do that to your students. A complete jackass. And Sorry. I, I don't understand how that makes you a better performer. It and that's ultimately what I want to train people. I want to. It's a it's a performance yeah. art. And I want to train people how to be better performers. Yeah, and and the, the, also like there used to be this thing, and I did think it's still done in a lot of places. Like these bump drills of just taking like a hundred freaking bump. Like, yeah. Why would you do that to your stu- like students and and you know ruin their bodies before they even get started? Well, yeah, but that's just the way they did it, know, man. That's just how we know. did it. Yeah, it, especially considering what we know about yeah. concussions. Right now, and you know what? Like, we always say, you've got a bump card. You know, the longevity of your career is you've got X amount of bumps on your body before your body says, "I'm done" and taps out. Yeah. And yeah, we want you to do the bumps. We and don't get me wrong, we work them hard and we push them, but we want to make sure that people are doing it safely and effectively. One of the things that we do, you know, we have a crash pad, and we've got headgear that people can wear. When they're first learning how to bump. That's so good to hear you say that with the headgear. Perfect. I, I don't want people when they're first. I don't need them to smack their head off the canvas and have a concussion. Yeah. And, you know, those long-term effects um, you know, right out of the gates. Let's figure out, get your body used to doing it right and doing the movement. And then we can remove the headgear. And, uh, you know, then you can beat your body up a little bit. Hey, hey so Ken. Different people run their schools differently. Some people have camps where they, you know, okay, like I, I think that might be how you're doing it, where you're starting a new class coming up here. February 2nd. February 2nd. Uh, yes. But do, but you pretty much keep the doors open 365 days a year or, you know, all year round, right? It's not like you only you you only have the school open when you're running. Like it's There's always something going on at, at the academy, right? There is. It's Monday through Friday, and then it, you know we do stuff on the weekends. We also like this last weekend we had a cookout at the school, and you know everybody came and we watched the Royal Rumble together. Oh, great! And on the big screen, you know, and it's just a really cool. And, and what a huge reaction from the people in the in that room when um, Molly when came they saw, out when they saw one of their coaches, yeah, you know, come out as one of the entrants in the first ever Women's Royal Rumble, which. 
I must say, in my humble opinion, was by far the match of the night. Those women absolutely yeah. crushed it. They did, and 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 Molly crushed it, and that was my favorite part of the evening by far. Yep, she was yep. freaking great. I, don't know I posted I, a I posted a video on our social media of the students reacting to her. You know, to her entrance, it was it was pretty cool. It was yeah. pretty special. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> when, when did you realize that you wanted to get into teaching wrestling? I knew that I wanted to be a trainer, like when I first started. But I knew that I, I never felt like, even when I was at the WWE and I was having a good run there, and even for the first few years at TNA, I was like, well, I I haven't done enough to to warrant me opening up a school. You know, like I just, I, I always felt like, I, I need to learn more, and um, I, I'm glad that I waited as long as I did because, you know what, the reality is is that I was able to make a ton of mistakes in the business, mm. and, uh, you know, it may have been in some of those occasions, like, too late for me to learn from my, from my mistakes, but hopefully I can show my students, like, hey, this, is, this was my mentality here, yeah. this is what I did, this is how I handled this situation, yeah. don't do that. Please don't do that. So you were um, you were concerned that you didn't have enough uh, time under your belt, like ten years in, and already in the WWE and everything like that. And I see guys uh, advertising seminars that I've never heard of that maybe had a cup of coffee in wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and look, just because you know. uh, some people have always like pointed at certain instructors in the wrestling industry. Like, how was that guy teaching students? Like he never, he never amounted to much in the business. So he was never over. And I don't agree with that mentality because, you know, you watch football, Mike Holmgren was never a great football player, but he was a hell of a coach. Just, you know, Michael Jordan was a tremendous player and a terrible coach. So the fact that you were over and, and had, all that experience doesn't necessarily equate to being a good coach, but yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that I had enough experience that people were going to come and say, like, I feel comfortable giving that guy my money in exchange for his knowledge. Yeah, for sure. Look, Hey, I definitely don't want to imply that, uh, people that you've never heard of can't be good wrestling coaches because there are certain things like, um, uh, that uh like when you're talking about moves and technique and that that like you know you don't have to have 20 years of experience on the road full time to to be good at teaching someone those things like yeah, at yeah. all like and, yeah and 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 I know guys uh that people consider the greatest of all time right up there in that level that aren't good coaches at all at yeah, all yeah. Ken. yeah and the, look my my trainers, uh, Mike Mercury and Eric Hammers, two guys that came out of Green Bay, the Green Bay area, never made it to the big stage, never performed in WWE or TNA, but I was fortunate in that they really understood psychology. And to this day, we continue to have, you know, I'm still friends with these guys and we talk all the time and I still pick things up from them that I didn't think about, you know? Yeah. Well, you said you, 
you've been involved in wrestling for over 19 years. How have you managed to stay healthy and in good shape to run a school and keep doing bookings and work for TNA and WWE? Uh, good luck. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> just, uh, you know, even I've had some pretty major injuries in the business, but I was able to work my way back from those injuries and, you know, I try to eat as healthy as I can, still maintain, still work out, still care, still take supplements, things like that. You know, I think that really helps. Well, I saw you tweet this morning about using a, a muscle drink that you take oh, yeah. every day. It's um, uh, collagen, collagen, liquid collagen peptides. And, how- and I swear I'm a huge skeptic. I posted about this. I, I'm a huge skeptic about everything. And there are so many supplements out there and like, you know, magnet bracelets and uh, voodoo witch doctor stuff. There's always people are looking for a magic pill. And I say that if it's, you know, if this alternative medicine, if it actually worked, would cease to be alternative and would just be medicine. Yeah. But this stuff, I take a capful of this stuff every morning. And five days after I started taking it. I started to feel better. You know, my joints hurt basically from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet hurts to some degree every single day. I started taking it and and then sometimes I'll go on the road or I'll spend some time away from my home and I'll forget to take this stuff. And three days later, I start to feel those little dings and dangs. I got to get home and take it. Hey, so are you still taking um, wrestling bookings, Ken? Yes, I am. Yeah. How's that going? Good. Um, in the last year, I've tried to kind of cut down on my bookings yeah. just because I want to focus on the school. And the other thing is I've got two four-year-old twins right. that I am not allowed to see them much. If you know what I'm, I understand. you know, uh, it's, it's kind of a mess. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see them more. I want to see them as much as possible. And part of the reason why I didn't get to see them was because I was on the road so much. Right. So... You know, coming off and kind of weaning off that that wrestling schedule, that hard wrestling schedule is hopefully going to make that easier. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so, you know, going back to your students, one of the things that I wanted to ask you was that everybody has, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's good at different things and so on and so forth. But in general, what would you say is the biggest challenge for your students to learn, whether it's ring psychology or promos or or what is it for you that you've noticed? You know, the interesting thing is that it's, it's, this is going to sound like a generic answer, but like it's different for, for everybody. Some people really take to the, the physical aspect and they get it right away and they're not so good at promos. And, you know, we have vice versa and everything in between. So that's one of the challenges and one of the fun challenges about being a coach and training so many people is that what works for this guy to motivate this guy is, doesn't necessarily work for this guy. I've, you know, pulled my hair out. I take my hat off. I throw it on the ground when people aren't understanding what I'm trying to get across. And then, you know, I'll go back to the drawing board and figure out like, okay, how do I explain this to them? And there's things like Sean, when you were there, I don't remember what it was specifically, but something that I had told the students 20 times in 20 different ways, and they just never picked up on it. Um, after you left, they were like, Hey, remember when he said, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'm so glad that <laughs> we were actually able to to pick that information up from you. So but sometimes, yeah, I, I pull my hair out. 
Yeah. What about with finding their character and their gimmick? You know, how does that? How do you help them? Like, kind of find who they, who, who they, how they shine the brightest. Um, that is, you know, that's another area that we try to specialize in. That we don't just teach you how to do moves in the ring. We want you to explore characters, and we regularly hold promo class. We have, you know, our our class runs. Our classes run for the first six months at least. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, um, depending on what class you're in. But Friday is a group day. Everybody gets together, and we do some light uh, work in the ring, and then we work on promos and character development. And, you know, those people have to get used to performing in front of crowds of people. And, you know, I'm sure you can speak to this, Sean, that sometimes, oftentimes it's harder to work in front of a room full of five people or 10 people or 20 people than it is to work in front of a giant arena full of people. All the time. It's always harder. <laughs> always, and Especially man. people that are your peers that you, you know, like if I go out and shit the bed in front of 20,000 people, like I get to, I get to leave and I don't really know those people. I yeah. don't interact with those people, but it's yeah. when you shit the bed in front of your friends and peers that you're going to see tomorrow and the next day and the week after that, it's, it's a little tougher. Hey, Ken, personally, how, how did you, when did you realize you uh, you had a pretty good mic skills? Um, I, I was always, I always gravitated. So I, so I was into acting when yeah. I was a kid. I acted throughout my you know middle school. I mean, when I was a little kid, if I could get a video camera, get my hands on a video camera, I would and try to little make make little movies with my friends. Yeah. And then I got into acting when I was in middle school and did some plays and things like that. Uh, I were I was in forensics in high school and went to state four years. And, um, you know, in in play acting. Uh, so and then speech was always one of my favorite classes. So I yeah. knew I had that. And then. So that was always know. there was always a, you always had you were always confident. In that part of your game, huh? From the get-go? Yeah, definitely. And it was something that I was, you know, thankfully I was given the opportunity by a bunch of different promoters um, to to actually go out and hone my skills in front of people. Because there's a lot of people that can actually talk but aren't given the opportunity to talk. You're just a guy, you know, just go out there and just wrestle. And it's really hard to get your character across to people. And get people to gravitate to you and, and want to get behind you when they don't know anything about you. Yeah. Hey, do you still call yourself an asshole? <laughs> you I do. That? I do. I do. I'm, an I'm, actually, I'm actually starting up a podcast. Um, our first episode is going to drop on Friday. And uh, that, the asshole our cast? Fans are, our fans are assholes. Yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> Say that again. What's it called? It's going to be called Lower the Mic. Oh, it's not. It doesn't have assholes in the title. <laughs> no, but but, uh, but oh. our fans, our listeners, are going to be called assholes. Okay, and, uh, yeah. that sounds good. We're going to have a, we're going to have an asshole of the week and a douchebag of the week, and an asshole mm-hmm. of the week will be a term of endearment. Nice. So. <laughs> well, speaking of the mic, whose idea was having the old school mic for you to do your entrances? Um. So it was Paul Heyman's idea to have me announce myself, and then when I was in WWE. Uh, WWE, I had uh, 
um, it was Dave Lagana came up to me and said, Hey, I think we're going to have the microphone drop down from the rafters. And you're going to do your own introduction. I, you know, it's like, that's, that's cool. And thankfully I was given that gimmick because this people, people remember it, you know, it's memorable. Yeah. Anything, anything to stand out from the rest. Come on. Well, I remember being at no way out at the Staples center and you wrestled Bobby Lashley and, just waiting for your entrance and then you didn't get to do your entrance and being so upset that we didn't get to see the mic drop down and you do the mister it oh really i didn't do the whole pay-per-view yeah no i think he jumps you from behind Uh, yeah we were so upset that you didn't do your entrance so they would have had to wait sorry they should have they should have waited for you to do the mic deal yeah jumped you You know there was one time where uh i was wrestling batista on a pay-per-view it was the second or third time we we started, uh, we wrestled and th- I, I started doing my intro and he jumped me and the people booed, like just yeah. booed crazy. And then we came back and Vince said, we're never doing that again. We're not gonna, you know, and the thing was, is I was a heel too. So they were, yeah, but, there's, him. but there's certain things that people want to see. And yep. like, whether it's the heel or the face, it's still that's what they do, and they want to see it. When they come to the show, they want to see what they see on TV. Yeah, I, I saw that on TV, exactly. That's right. yep. What was your reaction to getting uh, Vince McMahon's middle name? <laughs> that was, uh, it, it was cool, man. It was, uh, it was a really cool kind of, I don't know if I was to say honor, but, you know, it was, it was Paul Heyman's idea in the first place. I remember having the conversation with him because – I got to the first two weeks that I was there and on TV, I was Anderson. I was Mr. Anderson. And then Johnny came to me and said, like, hey, Vince wants to wants you to change your name today. We're going to have a meeting later. And so I immediately jumped on the phone with Paul Heyman. And Paul was like, we have to pick something that's near and dear to his heart. Um, his dog's name is Ruckus. What about Kenny Ruckus? Uh, <laughs> coming up with all these different things. And finally goes, Kennedy. It's his middle name because I had I was Kamikaze Ken on the Indies, and I kind of wanted to keep you know I had that KK logo yeah, and I sort of wanted to keep that as a, an homage to my up you know my upbringing. So you wanted to be called Kamikaze Ken Kennedy? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I was gonna say, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, actually, I was told recently by ex writer. That there, that idea was actually pitched, and Vince kind of liked it. But it was going to be oh, Jesus they were going to have Christ. King of the Ring. I was going to win King of the Ring, and it was going to be King Ken Kennedy, KKK. That may have been a death knell had that happened. Mm. No. Wow, good one. Well, you speaking to uh, Paul Heyman helped you quite a bit. Can you tell us about your interactions with him and how your relationship came about? Yep. So Paul used to come down to, well, first when I was just doing tryouts, I remember one day we were in the ring working. It was just all the indie guys. And there was like a staff meeting or something like that. You know, they always had a talent meeting. And the only two people that were sitting in the arena, they were sitting front row was Paul Heyman and Jim Ross. And so we got in the ring and we were just, we took it upon ourselves to, hey, we got this time. The ring is empty. Let's get in here. And we rolled around and did stuff. And, um, you know, guys were getting in there doing chain wrestling, and which was fine, but they just weren't showing character. And I got in there, and I was, you know, putting heat on somebody, talking smack, and 
I remember I got done. I rolled out of the I tagged out. I rolled out of the ring, and Paul said, "Come here for a second. Who trained you?" And I told him, two guys in Green Bay that you know didn't necessarily make it to the big stage, but then at some point I went to Minneapolis and I got trained by Brad Rangins, and I you know went to polishing school with Brad. You went. To, you would. You trained with Brad. I did. Yeah. Yep. It was Brock. I met Brock at a, at a WWE show. Yeah. And he, you know, we, we hit it off and he liked what he saw in the ring and said, Hey man, you should really, you should really get with Brad. And so he connected us and yeah. I went to school and it was awesome. I right? learned it's, so much. It's great. Yeah. I used to go and, and, and help, uh, Brad with his camps and, and, and oh. that, you know, what, after really? I was working for Vince, yeah, still, I would go, I still love to go and yeah. Going that's and awesome. getting the ring and stuff. Yeah, that's I didn't realize that, Ken. Wow, man, yeah. that's yeah. incredible to be able to say that. I know, I know. And that was the thing when Paul, when I said that to Paul, he was like, you know, he's Brock Lesnar. He trained Brock Lesnar, and he knew all about Brad Rangins. And so we started talking, and we kind of developed a relationship. And I remember, you know, he gave me his number and wanted me to call him, and then, I called him every Wednesday for the next two years, and he faved me. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but you know it wasn't a personal thing. That was just people get busy in the business. I know. But then I got signed, went to OVW, and Paul would come in there like once every two months for two days, and he would have promo class. So we would go in, we would get a you know write a promo or work on our own promo. We would go into a little room with Paul and a video camera. We would cut the promo, and then he would critique it on the spot. We'd go home. We would fix all the things that he critiqued us about, and then we'd come back the next day, and we would we would do it. And always on that second day, I would get in there, and like, he always had the, the best advice, too. I remember one time like I I made my first promo about sort of a, an undercard guy or somebody that was at. OVW and hadn't made it up to the active roster and he was like is that all you want to wrestle do you, you want to stay on that level and if not you need to put yourself you know talk about wrestling the undertaker talk yeah. about wrestling triple h you know stuff like That's that right. yeah. and um on that second day he would always go i would cut the promo and he would go okay thank you and i was like you know anything any advice nope loved it and i was like i would leave and i go he fucking hates me. He hates my guts. <laughs> he couldn't wait to get rid of me. And then fast forward to Jim Cornette got released from the company and they said, Paul Heyman's coming down he's going to run OVW and he's going to write all the TV and everything. Yeah. Um, he came in. I remember he came in and he said, I need to talk to you. And he pulled me into a room and he said, you're the next guy out of here. I was mm -hmm. like, excuse me? And he said, I have been a fan of yours since I saw you, you know, when we had that conversation about Brad Rangins and I've had my eye on you and uh, I've been watching you while you've been down here at OVW. I'd been at that point. I'd been there at maybe six months Yeah. and he said, we're going to do so much stuff with you on TV here that they're going to have to take you on an active roster. And I, you know, you have at the time I was in the business for probably six or seven years, and you know, you believe you get less and less excited for 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 people saying things like that over you know exactly. I yeah. still to this day, if somebody tells me something that should get me excited, I don't get excited. Right. I don't get excited until the day until it's actually happening. Yeah, 
because I know that could be just just a pipe dream. But yeah, and um, that night there's you know I think OVW television was an hour long program. I was a part of about 45 minutes of that program, and <laughs> yeah. five weeks later, Pomp Tommy Dreamer called me and said, "Hey, they want to take a look at you at SmackDown." So I went. And I was supposed to do just a tryout match. It was just supposed to be me versus Funaki. Funaki was going to go over, and it was just a dark match. And I was doing the gorilla position, just outside of gorilla, doing push-ups and going through everything in my head a couple more times. And I remember I saw Vince walk up. And, you know, he never, in my all my previous experience, Vince would never go up during the preliminary matches. He, he would only go and sit down in gorilla once the, the main show started, whether it was Raw or SmackDown. Yeah. He wouldn't sit and watch Sunday Night Heat or, or any of the dark matches. He went up there and sat down, and then a minute later, Dave Laganek walked up and he said, um, there's been a change. And I immediately thought, like, they're, you know, they're cutting the match. And he said, we have to come up with a finish for you because you're going over. Um, this is now going to be a televised match. And he stuck out his hand and he said, welcome aboard. You got, you got a job. All right. This was before I went out and had the match. Yeah. So in that case, Paul was, Paul was correct. And then yeah. I just continued to, you know, to be friends with Paul. Um, I still maintained going to OVW. Like I would, I would go on the road and do the SmackDown house shows and then TV any pay-per-views, and then Wednesdays I would fly from wherever we were. I'd fly down to OVW and do OVW yeah. for a few months, and then uh, you know. And then after I got released and I went to TNA, a lot of people don't know this, but they would a lot of times hand me a script, and I would call Paul and say, "Hey, here's what they gave me. I'm not digging it. What can we do?" It was almost every week, and he would. Give me a couple minutes, I'll write something up for you. A couple minutes later, he'd have an email in my inbox, and nice. you know we just kind of collaborated. It was really cool. So nice, he's a man. great guy. Yeah, that's awesome. I wasn't always a big Paul E fan, um, and uh, I, and he wasn't really a, a a big fan of me personally. And uh, uh, but I really think Paul's. I, I'm a huge Paul E fan now, and I always was a huge fan of his. Uh, as far as wrestling, you know, mind and, and just on a professional level. Um, yep. And I, he's see, helped I me out so much, him. like, in my personal life in the past couple of years, like, that people don't even know, man. Like, he's really a, a good dude. And, and I'm, you know what I'm curious about? And um, uh, you were just talking about Cornette leaving OVW, and, and Paul, he came in. To, to, Talk about the difference in those, in those two working under uh, Cornet and working under uh, Paulie because they're both brilliant. You yeah, know? they are. But they're they, they totally really different are. guys. Um, I guess the difference for me personally was I, Cornet never really saw anything in me. Right. But when I say that, it wasn't like he, oh, this guy's terrible. Um, it was just he was only there for TV. He wasn't there to and, – and, you know, you have 50 guys that are on the roster there and everybody's trying to get five minutes on TV. And the times that he was there that I did get on TV, it was as if there were two hats, one hat of baby faces, one of heels, and he would just like reach his hand into the hat, pull out two names and go, okay, you guys go out there, have a five minute match, get over, which is virtually, you know, you know, it's very hard to do that way. 
And and it just like it doesn't do much to inspire you when like that that much thoughts put into it, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, like when when it's happening to you, it's like I this is this is my life. This is you know I want to do this. And when other people around you don't have that same excitement, that same level of excitement that you do, it's it is disheartening. Huh. Um, but but you know. When Paul came in, just the way that he ran things and the cre- the level of creativity that he gave to that show. I mean, you know, we went from just the old standard format of pro- backstage interview, backstage interview, yeah. in-ring promo, run-in, you know. like It, it was just, just cookie it, cutter? It, it is. It, you know, I've always said, like wrestling for whatever reason has a book about the thickness of Spider-Man number one. (laughs) And it's just like the same storylines and basic angles and stuff like that. And they just like keep, you know, they just keep, what should we do for a finish? What should we do for a finish? Uh, How about we do the old uh, such and such a finish? Well, how about, no, how about, no, how about we do something new? How about that? Not the old such and such a finish. And that was really, I mean, I remember he started doing this thing where we would have, I'd be in the room getting interviewed by Maria Carnellis. And I would, as I was just finishing my promo, you'd hear down the hall, ah, ah, there's no coffee. Ah. <laughs> and the camera guy would like, oh, I got to go. And he'd run all the way down the hall. And it was just like guerrilla style. And he would go in and it would like seamlessly transition into another promo where another guy was talking oh, to somebody. Wow. And, you know, he just did so much stuff like that. Without and even switching cameras? No, without switching cameras. Sweet. Yeah, like, it was so cool. It was like, oh, my God, I... The camera guy, you could see the, you know, he followed sure. down the hallway and into the next room and whoosh, right into another promo. Wow. It was just so cool. And he, the way that he involved everybody, not just, you know, like I said, there's 50 guys that are there. It was like everybody had some sort of spot. And no matter what it was, he gave you, you know, your little tiny piece meant something yeah. on that show. You were contributing somehow, right, to the product. Totally. Yeah. And it, to me, it felt like, I remember when I first started watching wrestling in like 96, 97, it was like everybody was on the show, no matter who it was, Kai and Tai, uh, you know, Takamichi Noku was yeah, like, man. I'd get excited when Takamichi Noku came out or Funaki or anybody, you know, it was like everybody was over. And then now it's like if certain guys come out that they're not top yeah. level main eventers, it's like, and especially if they're paired up with a main eventer or a mid card guy, like, oh, I know how this is going to go. Yeah, you know. Whereas mm. back in the day, they they'd slip Funaki over on Bradshaw, or you know something like that, sure. like, or they'd slip him over on one of the top guys. So, yeah, it was that kind of stuff that Paul was doing, and and the other thing that I loved was for some reason in wrestling, the thing that irritates me is. It's always just like two guys that are vying for the heavyweight title. You know, it's just yeah. these two guys, and they're the only people in the company that are going for this title. Where Paul made it everybody, and he was just like everybody's going for the title all the time. Yeah, and it made the title seem important. And then when somebody would get injured, say it was that top guy in that top spot uh, as the champ, you had or other options, get, yeah. 
Or he'd get called yeah. up to TV, no matter, because everybody else is already in that storyline. Yeah, that's good shit. We talked briefly about your run in TNA. <laughs> what I bless you. What I wanted to know was your ma- your cage match with Kurt Angle when Kurt Angle did the moonsault off the top of the cage. What was that like, and what was it like working with him? Kurt's one of my favorite guys to ever work with, and uh, the thing about Kurt is he goes, goes, goes from the time he gets in the ring until the time you're done. There's not much rest when you're working with Kurt Angle, and I love it. And he really pushes you to your max. Um, and the thing about Kurt is he is so giving, and I've seen this all the time. You know, like you, the the old timers in the business will have this mentality that like if you're a top guy you don't do certain things with certain people you only you know you go out there and you eat their lunch and he's giving in the sense that like he knows that he's going to remain over no matter what happens yeah no matter what you guys do in the ring and how many bumps you give him or you know that he's going to stay over because he's Kurt Angle and he's good and he believes in himself and that was such a cool thing because he was always super, super giving. One of the things that always surprised me about Kurt was, I mean, you know, aside from my very first match, I remember when I was told who I was going to work, I was told, you're going to work Derek St. Holmes Esquire in your first match. And I was told about a month in advance. And I remember calling him and going, hey, man, we got a, we got a match <laughs> four yeah. weeks from now. I was wondering if you wanted to talk about some stuff. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and he was like, uh, <laughs> just maybe we'll talk on the day, you know, yeah. and I was just so nervous. And that's the way I am now. Like, if Even if I know that I'm working for somebody a long time in advance, I can't put anything together until the day of. And Kurt would come up to me and go like, yeah, we're, we're working at the pay-per-view three weeks from now. Um, I pretty much have the whole match you know, planned out and we just got to plug your stuff in and, you know, it was just kind of a cool thing. Right on. Hey, so, um, we're going to have to wrap this up. Uh, but I want to, I want to, uh, talk about the school again before we go and, and remind everyone, uh, when the, when the new session starts and, you know, um, about your seminars and that, you know, Billy Gunn's coming up February 19th. February 19th. So yeah, yep. real quick again, b- before, we go. Yeah, uh, February nineteenth. We well, actually February second. This Friday, we've got a new class starting, and uh, we're real excited about that. We've got some students that are, you know, getting ready to go, and and um, so we're going to start that off on Friday. And Friday's just sort of like a come in, get yourself acclimated, introduce you to everybody, and then we have them watch practice and see what yeah. happens. And the nice thing about Friday, like I said, is. It's a less physical day, but we still do some physical stuff. So people get to see the physicality that we do, and then they also get to be a part of uh, of of the promo class. And then, like, if we do tape dissection or anything like that, they get to see it. And then February 19th, we're real excited because Billy Gunn's coming in to do another awesome seminar. Um, we have had such a great experience with all the people, including yourself, that, that have come in and, and given their time to the academy and, and the students – um, you know, already the people that have been there, there's people that have been there for an entire year and they've gotten just, you know, six or seven people who have made it and been successful in the business that come in. And, and that's not including us that have made it and can come in and say, 
you know, because the, the greatest thing about wrestling is like, you have a different success story than I do. Right. I have a different success story than Dara and so on and so forth. And I feel that the best way to learn is to get as many hands stirring that pot and, you know, cooking that soup. That's generally a bad recipe, you know, but I feel like in this case, what you say might work better for somebody than what I say to them. Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, how do they, if, if they want to get more information, Ken, uh, how do they go about doing that? So they can, they can contact us. They can go to our website, which is the Academy We have all the information that you need on that website. You can actually schedule a consultation and we can do that in person where you can come and check out the facility, tour the facility, or you can just do it, you know, we can do it via Skype or um, or we can just do a phone interview. Like we've got a guy who started with us from Chile who's actually, he, he was with us for a few months, trained, and went back down to his homeland, and uh, he's actually coming back. So we get people from foreign countries, too, that, that yeah. want to come. Right on. Well, awesome. so, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on, Ken. Uh, I, yeah, thank it's you so always, much. It's always a, an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Sean. Thanks, man. And I appreciate you bringing my uh, laptop to me when I left it at your school. Ken <laughs> drove it all the way out to the airport for me. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. I got to spend an extra five minutes with you. Yeah, but, man. Well, thank you, Ken. I hope you have an awesome day, man. And uh, I can't too. I can't recommend your school enough to anyone that wants to get in the industry. So have thank an awesome day, fun. my friend. Thanks. It's the world to all me. Right. Thank you, guys. Ken Anderson, Thanks. everyone. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, um, real quick before we go, let's, I guess, just get all the pleasantries out of the way. Well, February 24th, you're going to be speaking at the addiction, uh, the Breaking the Cycle of Addiction at the Town Hall in uh, Johnstown, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Tickets are available at eventbrite.com for that. And it was announced that that wrestling club is bringing you, Kevin Nash, Al Snow, and me and Gene Okerlund to WrestleCon. You'll be at their booth. Yeah. How do, how do people go about getting... Uh, ThatWrestlingClub.com will have all the information for okay. tickets. All right. Just on that. Thanks for letting me know that. I, I didn't even know that I was going to be there. <laughs> follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the booth. You guys can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Don't forget to follow us on AfterBuzz TV on Twitter, uh, The Real X-Pac on IG, XPOC12360, Facebook, XPOC12360 Show. Don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, iTunes, five stars or better. Um, also, leave those comments on YouTube, and you can follow me on Instagram and everything else at TK Trinidad. Yeah, and uh, I think maybe uh, as soon as next week we have some uh, exciting new news for Ooh, the show. Awesome. And uh, not sure who the guest is going to be next week, but uh, Tune in uh, anyway. it's going to be a great show. Yeah. You know how it is. So, all right. Hey, um, thanks, thanks again to Kenny Anderson. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Jimbo, Denise, TK, and we missed Bill Hanstock. He, he had. I think there was an issue with his little uh, kitty cat on Twitter at Sundown Motel. Yeah, Sundown Motel. I for, I forgot why it is that he goes with that Sundown <laughs> the, Motel the song thing. or something. Yeah, something. Like, anyways, all right. <laughs> See you next week, right here. X Pac One Two Three Sixty. Yeah.
from executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Jimbo Frank and TK Trinidad, managing producer of AfterBuzz TV Wrestling Mark Donica, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff. We would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC and email us at XPOC12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!